0: Well, thank you for enduring to the end. It's been a good full day, and I know that uh, you've had a lot of activity. And hasn't the Lord given us a beautiful, beautiful weekend? Wow, you couldn't have ordered a more effective uh, weather pattern and uh, activity time. And I want to say a personal word of thanks to uh, Pastor Van for the privilege to share this time together. My wife and I were reflecting last night, you know, about 35 years ago, we had this wonderful journey together as we got married. June the 16th is our wedding anniversary, in case you want to send us a card, P.O. Box ABC. No, but uh, seriously, June the 16th will be 35 years uh, ago that we were married, and she was reminding me that we tented on our honeymoon. And so for any of you that want to know uh, whether we were really you know, up to this tenting experience, uh, we're delighted to have this you know, fifth wheeler. That's a great, great graduation gift uh, 35 years later. But uh, we had wonderful experiences. You can talk to her later about those. You know, uh, I, I want you to know it was a wonderful, wonderful blessing to just reflect upon that as we were here looking at the tent sites over there. And I want to say thanks to you families for bringing your children along and uh, sharing this time together. There's nothing more precious than establishing these kinds of memories as families together. And I hope that in the midst of some of the inconvenience and some of their, you know, difficulties of, you know, maybe sleeping on these conditions or just the coming and the going, uh, please know that you are putting into their little minds and into their young minds and into their older minds as teenagers, wonderful memories that I think are an important part of this process. And so I congratulate you as a church family for this kind of activity. Uh, And uh, my wife and I were even saying tonight, what a great tradition to have as a church to exercise this kind of time of specialness together. Uh, and I want to say a word of thanks for your kindness in behalf of our ministry at Appalachian. Uh, we're looking forward to having Katrina down this fall, Lord willing, to sort of straighten out Matt and Amy. They're a problem. And uh, so uh, we need all the help we can get to manage those two. And looking for a stream of young people to follow them. It would be a great, great privilege to just be partners in an ongoing way together. And so God blesses you, you. Invest your uh, church family in that way. And then, on a very, very personal and appropriate note, uh, I want to say that we'll be praying for you, Janet, uh, this week, and for the ongoing work that uh, you and Deanna have, and uh, God's blessing of just exchanging your lives in that way, and your church family surrounding you. And uh, God bless you. We just are looking forward to hearing of God's good things through that time. We've talked about family this weekend. And two things are going to incite my pace tonight. One is, some of you are cold. And secondly, it's getting dark. My sweetheart said to me, she said, if you can't see the whites of my eyes, it's too dark to be preaching. (laughs) (laughs) So, honey, blink real big, would you? (laughs) I love a mate who just keeps me straight. And uh, I do mean that with all my heart. But uh, we've talked about the makings of a family. Uh, we used Chloe, and did you get a taste of Chloe's dessert tonight? How many of you got a chance? Yeah, see, I wasn't wrong last night. You thought I was a lying preacher. But uh, she brought uh, three more pies tonight, and she especially, you know, she put out two. And Steve comes by and says, she put out two, there's one to go, and I'm sitting there without any because I went through the line first, and it wasn't in the line when I started through the line. Remember what I do, I go through the line first, and I get desserts. And so I saw the setup for the ice cream, and so I was preserving my you know, tummy for that later. And then uh, he comes by and tells me she's got these. And, and then here's the best part. Before she puts out the last one, Chloe comes over and says, Did you get a piece of pie yet? And I said, No. And she says, Okay. And she gets me a piece first before she puts out the last one. Three cheers for Chloe. I think she's worth a round of applause. <laughs> I told her she's trying to work on her tuition expenses reduction at Appalachian Bible College is what she's trying to do. So, but it'd be a blessing to have the Lord lead that way too. But, you know, we talked about the makings of a family with the oldest family tree. Who's the oldest family tree? Tell me one more time. Abraham. Abraham. And we saw what God said about Abraham. I know him and he's going to make his family do right. And I promise to bless him. Can I tell you, that's a great way to put the ingredients of your family together. Remember those four ingredients that we talked about. And then this morning, we talked about the mess of our world. And it's a mess. I'm not going to try and downplay that. We sit here in the seclusion of this wonderful setting, and we have these wonderful people around us, and and it's a great place to sort of forget the world. But can I tell you, whether it's tomorrow or the next day, sometime soon, you're going to run headlong into the mess of this world. And can I tell you, when you do, there's hope. We saw that the the family that had to survive in the worst mess ever was whose family? Whose? Noah. Noah. And Noah was able to do it. And you can too. And And the important thing I want you to catch that I sort of rushed at the end was, you need to rely upon God walk with God. Can I tell you, if you walk with God, you'll always have a wonderful, wonderful family and life. Because you see, where God walks, even though sometimes it's through trials, sometimes it's through struggles, when you have a with God experience, can I tell you, you have a wonderful way to face the mess of the world around you. And so be a Noah. Face the mess of the family in this world. But now tonight... Probably, if we talked about the, the oldest family tree, Noah, and the worst time to raise a family, Noah, tonight I want to talk about the most famous family passage in the Bible. If you were to say, what's the most famous passage, and, and I think I have some validation for this, you know, for example, what family plaque is, is probably produced more than any other family plaque about family? As for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. Joshua. And that's where we're going tonight. So turn there before it gets dark and my wife blinks her eyes and i got to (laughs) stop. Joshua, chapter 24. This is probably the most famous of all the places where I go to visit as I'm in homes. This is a verse of scripture about family that's probably on more plaques. I see it sometimes on the entrance door to a home. As for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. You may have it as a plan. It's a wonderful thing. I'm not mocking that at all. I think it's a great thing. And tonight, I want to remind you if we saw the makings of a family, Abraham, and the mess facing the family, Noah, tonight it's the mandate for the family, Joshua. A mandate is something that we must do. It's not an alternative. You know, that patriotic program that the children put on so marvelously gave some reminders of some patriotic moments where there were forefathers who had mandates that said, I've got to do this. And aren't we glad they did for our country? You know, this story is is sort of a memorial service. This could be the first memorial day where we are. You see, Joshua had just finished with all of his soldier buddies conquering the land. And this is sort of like a big gathering. They're going to have all the soldiers together before they go to their homes. And so this is a big memorial service. And they're going to reflect upon the battles that they fought. And they're going to talk about the war stories. And they have all of this wonderful time to recount. And then the the last fireside service happens. It's the closing camp meeting. Like tonight. I don't know what the temperature was like. I don't know how dark it was. I don't know if Joshua's eyes said, or wife said, as long as you can see the whites of my eyes, you can keep talking. I don't know if he said that, or she said that, whatever. But I do know this. It was like a, it was truly a a bunch of soldiers that had gathered before they were going to go to their places to live with their families in the land they'd conquered. And this is the final address that Joshua says, now buddies, I want you to remember something when you leave and go to your homes. Little did he know that night, or that day, that he was putting together the mandate that centuries later would still be the ongoing challenge and opportunity for our families. It's the passage that you know, but would you just follow verses 14 and 15, and tonight I want to just give you three guidelines to make sure we do our mandate. These three guidelines we'll see from verses 14 and 15, and I promise you, you'll see it before dark, okay? Now therefore, fear the Lord, and serve Him in sincerity and in truth, and put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the river, and in Egypt, and serve ye the Lord. And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the river, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land ye dwell. But as for me and my house... We will serve the Lord. Three guidelines, very briefly tonight, to accomplish our mandate. First one is, we see, if you will, in verse 14, it's the practicing of our mandate. In order to have this mandate, it must be practiced. And there are three ways that we're going to practice it. First, we're going to practice it by demonstrating that we have a sense of God's presence. Fear the Lord. Can I tell you unashamedly? If every one of us would leave tonight and we went to our own individual homes and we remembered that God saw us the whole time, you know what? There'd be some differences in homes tonight. Not because I'm trying to make you bad people, but you know what? If we were aware consciously that God's always around us, guess what? We would live differently. We would act differently. We would shop differently. We would spend differently. We would look differently. We would listen differently. Oh, by the way, he is always around. And that's what Joshua said to his buddies. Listen, when you leave, fear the Lord. Be practicing the presence of God. That's the first thing. Sensitive to the presence of God. Practice it in maintaining this mandate. Not only the sensitivity to God, but look further. We need to make sure that we practice it by serving God serve him in sincerity and truth there are two thoughts about serving that are important in this passage sincerity is the is if you will the attitude in which we do it it's got to be genuine when someone's sincere we usually say there's someone that's for real they're sincere but then it's not just a matter of with the the proper as it were conduct with the with sincerity but it's got to have the proper content as well truth I remember very vividly a teacher I had at Appalachian. His name's Mister Bucham, Uncle B. We used to call him, or Uncle Cal, Mister B. But he used to say there are people who are sincere but sincerely wrong. You see, sincerity's okay. In our world today, we sort of have this idea that if people are sincere, then that means it's it's good. It's possible to be sincere, but wrong. But Joshua says, serve the Lord with sincerity. That's the conduct in which you do it. But in the truth also, according to the word of God. So practicing the sensitivity to God, practicing the service to God, and then thirdly, practicing separation for God. Look at the last of verse 14. It says, look. Don't serve the gods that your father served on the other side of the river. You need to serve the Lord. You know, separation isn't a bad thing. Separation is a, is a proof that we're special. If I were to say, okay, I want the following people to help me, and I separate from this crowd, five people, and I say, I want you to come with me, and I'm going I'm to give you $1,000 as you come with me. I, I promise you, guess what? Separating you from the rest of them was not punishment. It was a wonderful privilege. Can I tell you, when God separates us from this world, He's not trying to torture us and say, I don't want you to have a good time. I want to keep you from having a good time. You know, sometimes we act like that. We act like separation is something that's robbing us of fun. No, God says, I know the best for you, so I'm separating you from that which is really not best, even though you think it's what's best. You know why we think it's best? We're sinful critters. We have wrong kinds of desires. We don't think like God thinks. His ways are higher than ours. His ways are higher than ours. So when God says, No, don't go there. No, don't do that. It's not because He's trying to punish us or restrict us. It's because He says, I know what's best for you. And so, the mandate for the family is we need to practice it by being sensitive to God, by being serving of God, sincerely and truth, and being separated for God. That's the first guideline. Practicing. Practicing the mandate. Why don't you say that with me? Practicing the mandate. One more time. Practicing the mandate. It's work. Practicing. But not only do we practice that mandate, there's a second guideline. And it's getting darker, so hang on with me real fast. Verse 15. It's protecting. It's protecting the mandate. Now, protecting is something that I think you... That you see in this passage, just standing up for what's there. And there are three things we've got to protect against in this passage. Real quickly, first you got to protect against false family members or false uh, friends that you have around you. Look at it in verse 15. It says, "If it seem evil to you." Now here's his army buddies that he's fought with, and he says to to them, "If you don't think it's right, guess what? I'm not going to do what you do." He's protecting against the the friends that might even try and go against him. Hear me carefully. I hope this is not offensive to you, and if it is, you probably need it. How does that sound for honesty? You know, the truth is, some of the people that are the most dangerous to you are the ones that are the closest to you. Really, it's true. Hear me carefully. Parents, for example, sometimes you might alter your convictions about what you know is right because you're afraid to face the tension of standing up to a teenage child. And you don't want the conflict, so you say, well, I'll just sort of concede and I'll yield to what they want. And teens, you may not like my saying that, but I love you too much to not be honest with you. But you know what? There are families who sometimes change their practices because they get into the age of teenagers and all of a sudden they start doing things because their teenagers are pressing them into that. Or or you have this peer pressure around you of friends. You know what? God gives us this courage and Joshua was this kind of guy who says, I don't know about you guys, but I know what I'm going to do. And so we must have the sense of protecting it against friends who might distract us. Number two, we've got to protect it against, and look what it says secondly, against false religions around us. And the Lord knows we are filled with all kinds of, of religious beliefs around us. Do you know in today's world, we are sort of given this idea that all religions are pretty much the same in their destination. It's just you've got a different way to get there. I hope that you have a clear conviction in your heart that Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. And, and I know that that's rather exclusive and intolerant. But can I tell you, it's biblical. <laughs> that's rather safe. In our world today, we're sort of groomed to think that we must tolerate everybody's belief system as being okay. No, it's not. The Bible is a rather intolerant book. And guess what? It's always right. And so in our world today, we've got to have the courage to protect against false religious systems. So protect against friends that might influence us. Protect protect against false religion that might influence us. But then here's the real tough one. Protect against family members that might rebel against us. You see, Joshua says, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. He makes that Bold declaration without any apology. My house is going to serve God. Uh, 35 years ago, I was serving as a youth pastor in Elkhart, Indiana, Grace Bible Church. And uh, I'd already been involved in that ministry for a year before my wife and I got married. And uh, she was finishing out some schooling, so we waited until she finished that before we got married. I was, was in my first year of seminary. And uh, in the course of that time, God really blessed our youth pastoral ministry, he had a wonderful you know, testimony of God's good work in these young people's hearts, and, and it was a great time. I, I can tell you without any shame, I'm enjoying right now second, generation, oh, second second generation people from that youth program in our student body right now. There are kids that are students at Appalachian Bible College whose parents were young people of mine as I was a youth pastor 35 years ago. It's a great blessing to have that testimony in your heart. But... During those days of youth pastoral work 35 years ago, I remember there were teens in our church that didn't participate in our youth activities. And, and and I would go to those parents and I'd say, I'm so burdened for your Susie or for your Jimmy to be a part of our youth program. And those parents would say, well, you know, our kids are getting old enough. They need to sort of make their own decisions. And I would say, oh, no, no. God's already made that decision for you. It isn't theirs to make. They're supposed to be faithful to the house of God. That's a mandate. I wasn't trying to be onerous or controlling. I was burdened for their lives. And I can tell you, some of those kids that the parents gave them those prerogatives of choice making went down a path of disaster. And I had more than one of those parents come back and plead, could you go visit? And on a couple of occasions, literally in a jail, visiting teenagers who had broken the law, and I went to a jail cell to visit them. And I said knowingly to those parents, oh, do you not see how important it is to to protect against even family rebellion that might be there? With loving burden tonight, can I say to you with families, stand up for God, even in the face of friends that might resist, against all kinds of false religion around us, against even family that might resist. Protect this mandate. But then finally, third guideline, we're going to make it. First is practicing it, second is protecting it, and now thirdly, proclaim this mandate. Proclaim it. This isn't some kind of a passive little situation where, okay, I'll do it if I want or if I don't want. No, this is a very important proclamation that we make. It's the part of the verse that you know best, so I'm glad it's dark if you know it without having to look. Joshua says, but as for me and my house, say it with me, we will serve the Lord. One more time. We will serve the Lord. That's the proclamation. Note who's supposed to do it. It's the whole family. He didn't say, I will serve the Lord. He said, we will serve the Lord. Your whole family needs to be doing this. Proclaiming it. Not only is it a matter of we, that's who's supposed to proclaim It's how we're proclaiming it. We will serve. Serve. You know, one of the greatest things you can do for your family is get them involved in activities of serving God. Uh, I, I hope this will be received in the spirit in which I give it, but you know, as your church grows, hear me carefully, as your church grows, one of the challenges that you face is keeping everybody involved in serving. Because you know what? It's easy to become a spectator. And there isn't any place in the Bible that says we're supposed to be spectator Christians. We live in a world of spectator. You sit at home on spectator TV. You know, you can scream and holler all you want at that game show or at that football game, but they don't hear you. You're a spectator. Or you go to an event, whether it's a literally a sports event. You know, we are spectators regularly. Lots of churches become spectators, even in the course of their ministry hear me carefully, but you have some churches that you know there'll be a few people up front that are participating and doing something and everybody else is just sort of sitting there. Can I tell you, we ought to be serving, not just spectators. And so as your church grows, can I just tell you, work hard at making sure you don't become a spectator in your church. You know, when you need somebody else to help with next year's planning of this weekend, say, yes, maybe that's me. And those who take a break, you know, it's not for them to just goof off. I know they won't. Where are you, Richard? You know, probably up there doing something. Oh, there he is, right at the back. You know, there. You know, God bless you. You've done a great job. Thank you for being here. I really mean that with all my heart. But the truth is, all of us should serve. So it's we—that's who serves. It's how we serve, and then it's whom we serve. We serve the Lord. It's not your pastor. It's not your parents if you're a kid. It's really not even your church. You know who you serve? You serve God. Wow. He risked his reputation on letting critters like us serve him. Isn't that amazing? Wow. If that doesn't light your fire, your wood's wet. (laughs) That's what Ken Pritt says on our campus. (laughs) If that doesn't ignite your heart, you might want to check and see if you do have the spark of regeneration in your heart. Because it's a wonderful privilege to serve the Lord. And tonight, our mandate is, I will proclaim, I will indeed serve the Lord. Tonight, I hope you've seen these three guidelines for the mandate Joshua gives to us. Practice it. Protect it. Proclaim it. I don't know if you know the little course or not, and it's not my prerogative to totally close there's some announcements but uh, do you know that little cor- course i will serve thee because i love thee you have given life to me i was nothing before you found me you've given life to me heartaches broken pieces ruined lives are why you died on calvary your touch was what i longed for you have given life to me would you just join me in making that sort of our mutual pledged mandate response tonight yes as for me and my house we're going to serve the lord
1: I will serve thee because I love thee. If you know it, sing it with me. I will serve thee because I love thee. You have given life to me. I was nothing before you found me. YOU HAVE GIVEN LIFE TO ME. HEARTACHES, BROKEN PIECES, RUINED HIVES ARE WHY YOU DIED. CALVARY, YOUR TOUCH, was what I longed for you have given life to me I'd like you to do the following
0: turn to the person next to you and see if you can see the whites of their eyes I don't think you can so it's time for me to be done but what a blessing to serve don't forget The makings of your family, Abraham, the oldest family tree. The mess facing your family, you can with hope do it. Noah shows it. And the mandate for your family. Joshua says, say it with me. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. God bless you as you do it.